to Enterprise. Lock on transporters. Beam is up. Scotty. Hello and welcome to Pod Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we re-watch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I'm Ushin. And I'm Andrea. Today we are discussing episode 9, Fortunate Son. Enterprise is sent to help the freighter Fortunate after an attack, but its first officer is hiding something. Yep. Pretty basic. It's basic, but it's the first one of its kind that we are facing in this show. How do you mean? It's an Earth vessel they're interacting with. Yes, that's true. It's not an alien first contact. It's a human first contact in space. Yeah, I can't argue with that. (laughs) Yeah, so, Andrea, I would like to know what you thought of this episode on your fourth rewatch. Was this one that you remembered? Yes. Was it one that you were looking forward to rewatching? Not necessarily. It was one that I remembered because I do remember Mayweather's backstory. And this one starts a little bit on that, mentioning that his parents are fray ship workers. So yeah, I kind of remembered the episode. Not exactly, I didn't remember that there was an alien prisoner, but I did remember that it was the beginnings of Mayweather's backstory. And there are some good things about this episode that I enjoyed. There are some things that I'm indifferent about. And then there are some things that I think could be improved. What are your opinions? Well, there are some good things about this episode that I enjoyed. <laughs> Do not copy my words. <laughs> no. Um, it's another solid episode. It's not bad, but it's not one that I would be in a hurry to rewatch. What struck me about it was that it's similar to the fight or flight episode mm-hmm. in terms of it raises similar questions about justice and jurisdiction in space because obviously we have a freighter being attacked by an alien race and the whole episode is centered around what to do in that situation and what's the best course of action. I don't think the episode really answers that question. No, I don't. I think it's quite open-ended in that way. Yeah, and I think that fits with the fact that We are in the early days of Starfleet, so they don't have answers to those questions. But I think it's interesting that they don't take the opportunity to start, and maybe they'll do this later on, but they don't at the moment take the opportunity to start laying the groundwork for diplomatic missions or diplomatic talks with other races. You had an opportunity here to establish the foundations of a relationship between humans and these Nauticans, but it ends with they're going to keep raiding us and you're just going to have to deal with it in your own way. I think I agree with you, but I also think that in this case there is some hint of let's have a dialogue. Let's open a 
a dialogue. I'll try to get my people to give you back your man. And in return, you behave and let them go. So there is some kind of dialogue, not long term and not like a relationship between species. But I think Archer did the best with the situation he had because he knew the first officer acting captain was not going to just like, oh, yeah, we're going to be friends. And you can't talk in the name of a whole race if you know that the first person that they're going to meet is going to be against what you're saying. So I think he did the best with what he had in his hands. And you can see the hint of let's try to work this out together as civilized people and not get anyone else wounded in the process. But yeah, it could have been way better. Let's say you come to my ship, we sit down, we talk. My people, your people, no weapons, please. Thank you. Yeah, as you say, the solution in this episode is very much short term and it's a solution for this particular scenario in this episode and doesn't have any long term ramifications or effects. I mean, hopefully it does in the sense of what he said. There are going to be more ships in this area now the longer time passes and you're not going to get away with ravaging. Yeah. So maybe now the Nausicans will think twice before raiding another cargo ship from Earth. But I don't think threats and fear of retaliation is a good basis for them not being nasty. No. I think as well, the episode didn't do a good job of defining the Nausicans. They have this city in a comet, but we don't know anything much else about their race. I think we've heard of them before. I think Phlox mentions them in Fight or Flight as well. But we don't know much about them. And we don't know, is that the extent of their culture or civilization? Are they just pirates? Or are these criminals outside of the Nausicaan system? Because the solution that they find is very much oh, but we're humans and we have to take the high ground, which didn't sit well with me because Ryan isn't attacking them because they're not human. He's attacking them out of revenge. It's not racism. It's just anger and revenge. Yeah, but Archer's solution is to very much appeal to the race side and say, we're humans, we have to be better than them. Yeah. Or not necessarily better. No, he doesn't use those words, but... It's kind of implied because he says we're humans and humans have a code and we have to stick to that code. Human beings have a code of behavior that applies whether they're Starfleet officers or space boomers. And it isn't driven by revenge. Just because someone isn't born on Earth doesn't make him any less human. Which I think in itself is bullshit, considering human history. Yeah. You mention a code of conduct. Which doesn't even work on Earth. So, I don't know. I think he may be mistaken in that code. He has a code. And Starfleet may have a code of conduct that he can be judged on. But the freighter is not Starfleet anyway. So, they don't give two shits. And they're looking out for themselves. So, like, I kind of understand the motives of wanting to defend yourself it's never good to take prisoners in that whole ordeal. But like, I can understand them. They're tired of always getting attacked by the same people. But yeah, the solution of we're better than them, so let's act like that. Because it's basically what he said. 
we're better than them, so let's just show that we're better than them. Are we better? But this is what I'm saying, because the Nauticans, as depicted in the episode, they're a ravager culture. They feed off others, and they steal from others Mm -hmm. to get by. There's no sense of them having their own resources or industry because they have this city in a comic, but we don't know anything about, I presume, the Nausicaan homeworld. We don't know what that's like. It's a very Star Trek thing. Star Trek has a thing of an alien race is like this, and they're all like that. And it fits a purpose for an episode like this, but I don't think this episode actually needed to... It and The episode didn't need to go in that direction. It could have had a diplomatic solution without bringing species or race into it. Yeah. I did want to say about the Nausicans, I do like their character design. And tying it to what we were saying, I would like to see their world and their planet because they look very interesting they look like a a rock artist from the 70s (laughs) that's the best way to describe it yeah no that's pretty good Uh, like they have the big hair they're rough looking so i can only imagine what their culture their buildings and everything looks like but yeah i think star trek has gotten better to giving a background to aliens when they're introduced a little bit not like we don't get a home planet tour every time but i think that using them for plot devices with no context doesn't do them service because if we knew that the whole purpose of this race is to steal from other creatures then it would make more sense to fight back because this is the whole purpose of the race but if we knew that they were just a bunch of criminals that are outlawed in their home planet or home comet or whatever then we could see maybe archer going to find their home planet and be like these bitches keep attacking us let's do something as diplomats to stop them (laughs) basically yeah and the thing with these monolithic cultures in star trek is that as well they often are at odds with the idea that, yeah, they're savages or whatever, or ravagers, and they're pirates and they're thieves. But also, at some point, they had a civilization that was able to develop space travel. Yeah, like it's not like cavemen. They're not cavemen. There are scientists in its culture somewhere doing this work. Yeah. They can't all be thieves and pirates. The episode also raised questions for me about trade routes and the freighters and stuff what are these freighters transporting who are they transporting it to and from because it's not i don't think they mention earth are there other human colonies i would assume they are because terra nova was the first one they don't say that it's the last one so i would assume that they have more colonies and they are uh transporting mayweather said i think it was mayweather that said that they are transporting dilithium ore or something like that. Like some ore. They're transporting some ore that I, if I'm not mistaken, I may be, who knows, um, is the metal that they use as fuel for the ships? Yeah, I think so. So I think they may just be transporting that to a space station, maybe? Like not necessarily a planet? Yeah. I don't know. It's strange because obviously they're talking about the trade routes and how... I think Mayweather says to to Ryan at some point that the warp would put an eight-year 
journey into a six month journey and an eight year journey to transport engine fuel doesn't sound very efficient but also i'm thinking if you're transporting something for eight years presumably you're not just going to get raided once by pirates on that trip you're going to get raided a few times how much is left by the time you actually reach the end of your journey i guess that's how pirates work even in 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 on earth when the whole trades were done by boat and they got pirates but even when you know it would take months to travel by boat they would get ransacked constantly i i would assume like a few times yeah. a year which is constantly for a boat so how many of those things were i i think you would overpack so you can get stolen and so yeah but also i think those those trade boots those trade boots those trade boots, boats, <laughs> that would have been they would have been commissioned by the government or the queen yeah so they would have had defenses whereas i mean they have defenses it's the, the, well, the no, because, have well, bad I mean, defenses, they do, but they do. But uh, obviously, Reed, it's one of his first questions, is what weapons do they have? I know, I have it, <laughs> I have it written down. What kind of weapons <laughs> like, do they have? And uh, Mayweather says they have these shitty plasma cannons, I think, but that they often bring in their own or buy their own weapons They upgrade them, well. yeah. They upgrade themselves. But surely if you're Earth or Starfleet, and you're commissioning these long trade routes for your colonies, surely you have a responsibility as well to ensure the safety, and you should be providing some security. It just seems weird that Starfleet gets these big ships with maximum warp and better weapons, and they get they want to explore space, but I don't know how prosperous the Earth colonies are, but surely you would want to ensure that those colonies are successful rather than exploring space to set up new ones. I don't know. Again, they are not Starfleet vessels. So whoever's commissioning the freight uh, ships, maybe they're freelancers. Maybe they're like, I have this ship and I have this crew. And as the captain says, once he's recovered, uh, that ship has been his family's for three generations. Maybe that's just how it goes. Let's talk science for a moment. A a baby that is conceived and born in space could never survive on Earth just because of the gravity alone. It would hurt so much. Astronauts, when they spend a lot of time in space and come back, their muscles are weaker because they don't need to move. Their weight is less, so they don't need to make as much force to move as when they're on Earth. So just imagine a baby being conceived with zero gravity. That baby in the uterus of the mother is just weightless. Amazing for pregnant women and pregnant people everywhere. But it does something to the bones of a baby. But they're not, it's not zero gravity. They have gravity on the freighters. Yeah, but it's not as much as on Earth. We can see that on the beginning of the episode when they're throwing the ball. Yeah. But I assumed that that was just in that like cargo hold that they'd adjusted it so they could do that. I don't know. I wouldn't want to have a baby conceived and brought up in space. You go up as an adult when your bones have already been done. No more practice bones. 
So what you're saying is that Mayweather, as soon as he set foot on Earth, he should have just been squashed into a blob. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He should have been like, Masterize me! <laughs> <laughs> That's what he should have been like. Um, that, that does bring me on to a point that I, I did like the idea of the freighter culture. I enjoyed that they have their lifestyles because they're on them so long that they have developed, uh, I suppose, townships in a way and a society on these freighter ships, which I kind of liked. And as you said, it does give us some insight into Mayweather's past, which I'm presuming we'll explore more in the future. Yeah. Because that sounds very interesting. There's clearly, I'm guessing that there's maybe some tension between him and his parents. You don't need to confirm or deny, but that's my that's my supposition at the moment. Between him and who? His parents. Oh, I, t- I understood Paris, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, everybody hates, everybody hates Paris, but I don't know where this comes from. Um, no, just uh, him and his parents. But yeah, I'm glad that we did eventually get a Mayweather episode. Kinda. It did come at the cost of trip. Yeah, that, that's that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I was worried about you, Andrea, because it's 11 minutes before we see Trip. Yeah, <laughs> He's always in my mind, so it's not like I miss him. <laughs> yeah, he's always with us spiritually. Yeah. But I did think that this was actually another another example of Star Trek doing an episode that would actually require an engineer and not having one present. I mean, he wasn't in the scene, but he was used to... To fix the ship. No, he's doing a lot of work off screen. Yeah. He's doing a lot of work behind the scenes. I don't think if if it's a rescue mission, we cannot go back on our word. If it is a rescue mission, which it is because they can't communicate because their comms are down. So if it is a safety thing, the engineer does nothing there. And there's no business with him being there. The doctor is... Mayweather is, and I think I understand that because he's familiar with the culture of freight cargoes. Raid? I'm not sure. Security. Andrea, it's a raid. They were raided. They don't know what happened. So in fairness, no, I'm going to say they needed Reed. In case there was any kind of security issue. Yeah, there was a a transmission, an an SOS. Okay, I get it. Yeah. And then the captain, because he's the captain, and I guess to boss people around. So I understand Trip not going in, because why would you need an engineer the first time you get there? But then they realize, oh, they're fine physically, minus the captain. So Flux deals with that. But we can use an engineer. And he's like, come over, my man. And Trip does as a good golden retriever. Of course. <laughs> and he wears his stuff. But it's I don't mind that he's not on screen. Like, I don't need to see him. I know that he's there. And that's good enough for me. Okay, that's good. No, I mean, I don't mind either. I was, I'm reassured, reassured to know that you don't mind either. But I actually, I actually disagree. I think the captain shouldn't have gone for the same reason that Reed did go because there might have been a security threat. Yeah, if no, there was I know. a security threat, you're immediately sending your captain into this possible dangerous situation. Yeah, I, I agree that the captain maybe should have stayed aboard the Enterprise, but it's not like who she went, you know. Oh, she would have made zero sense when you're dealing with a human vessel. So I can, yeah, okay, I understand that the captain wants to show how big his dick is and go help a raid, but I understand Trip not being in it. The captain, meh. I'm indifferent to the captain being 
being on the ship. I'm ready for the captain to be actually taken as a prisoner. So they show him a lesson of him minding his fucking business. <laughs> well, you mean he was sent there. Yeah. This wasn't the case of him being nosy. He was ordered to go there. <laughs> that is correct. I forgot about Admiral Fa... Fa... Foster? Not Foster. Oh, I don't know his name. But I, I think even if the captain did go somewhere and was taken prisoner, I think he probably... Like, still tried to make the most of it. Try and take a selfie with his guard. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's the first first captain to explore an alien prison cell. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Porthos at the beginning. Yes, we got a Porthos shot. I'm looking, that was good. Yeah. So cute. I was surprised that we haven't got more... That by now, at this stage, we're on episode 9, technically episode 10. Shut up. And Star Trek Enterprise hasn't come back to the Temporal War since episode 1. I'm not going to speak on it. I know, I know. But I, it's just, it's obviously the TV of the time. But it's, you kind of forget how TV has evolved. Modern Trek, like Discovery and Picard have these series arcs. And usually they're not even episodic at all. It's usually all about one story, whereas Enterprise is, no, we're going to introduce this big story at the start, and then they haven't mentioned it again for 10 episodes. I would have expected them to come back to it sooner, even just in mention or in passing or something, but it's like they've just forgotten there's a temporal war going on. Andrea's covering her mouth, for the record. Uh, she's not saying anything. I'm trying to remain neutral. It is coming back. I just don't know when. No, I know it's coming back. I'm just surprised that it hasn't come back sooner. How many episodes are there in the first season? It's a long season. I don't think we're even halfway. It's 26. So we're three away from the halfway point. Okay, so we're, there's still time. I'm expecting it to come up soon. Yeah, there's still time. So back to the, the plot that actually is in the episode. Yeah. Ryan basically attempts to kill a Starfleet captain... And he suffers no ramifications or consequences. I mean, he... I, I, listen, he attempts to murder him in a very <laughs> slow, indirect way by suffocating him, by breaching the hull of a space vessel so the air flows out. So it's not like he pointed a gun at the captain's head. He just... Wanted to suffocate the captain. <laughs> yeah. Also, science question, seeing as you're the science expert on this podcast. Sure. <laughs> well, you've watched The Martian more times than I have, so. <laughs> but <laughs> my understanding of spaceships. And I, I, I know what your question is going and to pressure, be. <laughs> and pressure. <laughs> I know what your question is going to be. If there's a breach in a hole like that, that's pretty much instantaneous death, right? The pressure is just going to all I'm explode. A, or... I'm, a, I'm a linguist and I don't know, but my understanding is that yes, all the air would have been sucked out of the cargo place and they would have been dead within minutes. Or seconds. Yeah. I don't know if 
the cargo hull had some kind of shield that made it oh, maybe. easier for them to survive. Or if the size of the hole is important <laughs> when talking about how long they have inside of a place. I'm not sure how much the size matters in this. Mm. Okay. <laughs> but I don't, I, yeah, I don't know how much the, the size yeah. <laughs> matters when you're about to die. So you're saying basically that Archer lasted longer. <laughs> Because the hole was small. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think he lasted longer yeah, because yeah. the hole was smaller. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, also brings up questions about the, the strength of the hole and also the strength of Ryan's gun. Yeah. I mean, the hole has to be pretty sturdy for it not to just rip apart. But <laughs> mm. but that means that the gun is very hard. Plating. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah. So like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that there should have been some consequences for Ryan there. Yeah. I mean, he was demoted to crewman. But he's clearly not the brightest guy anyway, because he tried to escape a warp 5 starship Yeah, with a warp 1.8. <laughs> Let's talk about Ooh. our favorite character, Reed. Okay. And his job position. He's getting fired, but what seems to be a water gun. The freight ship has the weapons comparable to a water gun compared to what they have, right? They have torpedoes and they have all this shit. And still, they manage to fuck up their long-range sensors with just their water gun. Okay, so now they go on an adventure to find them. How can they damage anything with their weapons? What's your job? How do you, your shields not protect you from rocks thrown at a window? So, that is one thing that I have to say about him. And there's another thing that is not exactly about him, but he was involved. When the four of them are in the hole, before the hole was ejected and they were just still being attacked, Flux is like, because Reed is like, get down, get down! And Flux says, under the circumstances, I defer to your experience. And honestly, that was so funny to me. I really enjoyed that. I presume he meant to be funny. I, I hope so, because he was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so that is another thing. And then, of course, what we mentioned, his first line in the episode is, what are the weapons? Read, get a personality yeah. and be better at your job. Because you cannot have a ship, an NX-class ship, getting fucked up by what it is to throw a stone to a fucking lake. You cannot. You're not gonna break a lake by throwing a stone. Why are you getting your ship broken? Because you got shot by a no-class weapon. No. I am annoyed at him. My only possible defense for that situation, and I, you've watched the episode more recently than I have, is that 
is there a chance that they weren't expected to be fired on and therefore didn't have their shields up? They had them up. Oh, okay. Well, then I've got no defense. Good, because he doesn't deserve one. What is this? What are you doing at your job? <laughs> also, also, another thing. They were getting attacked and we see him shoot, I think, once or twice. And he misses? What are you doing? Yeah, I don't like Reed. <laughs> really? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Slowly over the last few episodes, this antagonism towards Reed has been coming more and more prevalent. Yeah, because you love him, right? I you, love him, You've yeah. only said good things about him. Only good things. He's my favorite I wish I was the one the editing show. this episode to include every time <laughs> you said, I just don't <laughs> like him. And it's not because he's British, it's because he's unreliable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In fairness, I don't like him, but I'm beginning to think that you don't like him more than I don't like him. I don't like him at all. Yeah, he's just a nothing character. There's nothing to him. As you say, it's just all, oh, what kind of weapons does this planet have? What kind of weapons does that ship have? He needs a personality, and maybe when he gets one, I will like him more. But until then, I'm going to be very critical, because I think all the other members of the crew, even Tepal, have a personality. And Tepal is a Vulcan, which are not meant to have like many emotions. Yeah. So if the Vulcan has more emotions and more personality than you... You have to look inside yourself and see what you're doing wrong and then change it because what the fuck, bro? Yeah, he's just very one-dimensional and he's only got one thing going for him, which is that he likes guns. Which is ironic. I think yeah. be him being American would make much more sense, but he's British. Yeah, you would think that it is. it is strange that they made the one person obsessed with guns on the show England. Yeah. I think maybe it would have been so much funnier if Trip was British and Reed was American mm. or another person or Mayweather. But I, I think it would have been more, more, more better. Yeah. I wonder if in an alternative universe, they had swapped the casting, but the characters are the same, but the casting is different. Would you now be obsessed with the cute English engineer? read and would you be ragging on southern american gun obsessed security officer they look like they do now or what well the characters are written the exact same so if the actor playing trip is playing reed he's still playing the same character there's not much to work with i don't know uh, maybe i wouldn't have hated maybe the as much as i do but i don't think i would have gotten as obsessed with him because i don't like guns right like, part of Tripp's charm is that I like his personality, as we have discussed previously. Yeah. But Reed's personality, I don't like. So he can look like whatever he wants to look like. I'm not going to like him. Again, I admit, maybe I would have hated him less if I found him attractive. But I don't think I would have liked him as much as I like Tripp, just because he looked like what Tripp looks like. No, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that you're shallow. Right? I am, but I have principles. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, it, I wonder like, if the actor playing Reed, uh, I would like to have seen him do a take of the scene with T'Pol, where Trip is giving advice. I wonder. No, no, no British <laughs> advice, please. <laughs> that would have been interesting as a parallel universe experiment. 
But yeah, that is everything that I had to say. Do you have anything else to say about this episode? I wanted to say that I very much enjoyed when at the end of the episode, Archer puts Mayweather on to try and reason with Ryan. And Ryan just says, Oh, you again. I really enjoyed that. That kind of feels like, fuck you. Yeah. I like Mayweather, but he is very naive, good guy. I can see how someone would have that reaction to him. Boy Scout. So in Spanish, we have an expression. I'm trying to translate it. Literally would mean he's lacking a boiling. Like it's not done yet. Okay. Green. We also say green, but it's not the same because green can mean knowledge-wise. If you sit down and study, you can learn. But when we say you're lacking a boiling, it's like you lack life experience. What you said, he's very naive and he thinks that just words can change the world. And that is not true. I think actions can have more power sometimes. So... Yeah, when you're lacking a boiling, it's because you're lacking experience to make you change your mind and make you mature. And it's not just green. That is the expression that he makes me think of. You need to do some maturing and to get hit a few times by life. Um, before we wrap up, because I feel like that's where we're headed, I want to go back to the main thrust of the episode and the Freyder's attempt to take revenge or deal with the Nausicans because at the end of the episode the long term solution is that they continue to deal with them in their own way which is never really uh, specified mm-hmm. or elaborated on so I want I want your opinion on Ryan's tactics and motives. I said that I agree with him not fully in agreement but like I understand his point of view Also because his captain has been incapacitated. So we've talked about how they are a big community of people, right? So if your captain, who you probably admire to some degree, is down because these people keep invading and raiding you and hurting you and stealing from you, I understand his anger and I understand that he would want to get back at them and make them taste their own medicine, right? Yeah. I don't agree that that is the way that he should go about it, but I'm not going to be above revenge. Who am I? I am a very angry person, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, you should never do that. No. Fucking. Like if you keep getting raided by the same people all the time, you want to stop it. Yeah. And they obviously don't understand reason, so like I don't know. Yeah, it's really weird that they painted in such a way that he's taking it very personally and is specifically avenging the destruction of one of his own ships, his previous ship that had his family on it. So you can completely understand where he's coming from. So already you're painting a scene where these Nazis aren't just raiding and stealing. They're actually killing people and destroying ships. Yeah. And it's a really weird take to say, okay, but you're going too far by trying to stop that. Yeah. Like his motives of revenge are definitely questionable, but surely Starfleet should be thinking, yeah, something has to be done about this. Yeah, I think that it's a very Americanized version of events because 
Americans are the first people to hold grudges. So, again, I understand him completely. Obviously, I don't condone it. An eye for an eye makes the world go blind. But again, I am a very angry person. And I still hold grudges for the people that bullied me in middle school. So I'm not going to be all like high and mighty about this guy looking for revenge for his whole family and his line of work and his place of employment getting raided every time by the same people. I get it. I get it. I don't think he would have been as angry as he is if it had been different people every time. But because it's the same race all the time, I get that you are annoyed at them and want to be better without them. Yeah. I think the problem that I have with it is that the revenge angle that they gave him, they used it to make his motives or his thought process seem irrational. And that, oh, he's only doing it in revenge. It's not going to bring any justice or it's not going to lead to any long-term solution. And I don't want to condone violence, but if there's a group of people, be it an alien or human or whatever, who are constantly raiding you and stealing from you and affecting your way of life or your business, I think you're within your right to take action to stop that. I'm not saying that they should be hunting down the Nausicaans like they do, but... Like we've discussed in previous episodes, there's no police force that you report to in space. Yeah. It is a very much no man's land, every man for himself. And my issue with the episode is that I don't understand what Archer's problem is. <laughs> like, is it... <laughs> no, but like... <laughs> I, I, get that, I get that it's bad for human relations, but as we discussed... He's not really doing much for diplomatic relations with the Nausicans. He seemed quite happy to let the raiders continue to defend their ships in whatever way possible. So is it just the taking prisoner he has issues with? Is it the hunting down and taking the offensive? I don't know. Yeah, because, again, I don't think that Americans are new to getting revenge. Like, they are very nationalistic that way. What is mine is mine and I can't protect it at all costs. So I don't know why now in this episode it's such a big deal when he does it. Obviously, violence is not the answer. But I would assume that the freight cargo people have already tried dialogue. Like, can you please stop? <laughs> please? So I don't think this is their first line of defense to just kidnap someone and take him on a ship. So I don't know. But the, the moral of this story and the moral of stories like this is usually that revenge is bad and revenge isn't the same as justice. But this episode isn't concerned with justice. It's purely focused on you, you shouldn't be seeking revenge, but it has no interest in getting justice for anyone. his <laughs> ship that was destroyed or anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't hold anyone to account. And even when Ryan is held to account, he's basically just demoted. Yeah. But the Nausicans don't face any consequences for destroying a ship and killing Again, humans. Again, we don't know if they do. We don't know if this is the whole race or if this is a fraction of the species being going against their law. Sorry, I mean, I mean the particular Nausicans that we see in this episode. We're led to believe that the pirate Nausicans are at least the Nausicans that destroyed his ship. 
but they don't get any justice. They're not served any justice. There's no attempts to serve justice. It's very much just, oh, revenge is bad. You shouldn't seek revenge. It's just a very weird episode, and it's very unsatisfactory, I felt. Yeah. Again, as I said at the beginning, it's a new thing that we've encountered. It's not an episode we've seen before. And I don't remember if we ever see the Nausicans again. So... I can't remember. The design looked familiar. I thought to myself, I've definitely seen them somewhere before, but I can't remember which series or context. Presumably they were pirating. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it was an okay episode for me. Uh, not my favourite. Not my least favourite. Um, anything else to say on this one? One, one last thing. Because the gay agenda jumped on this one. Hang on, let me let me try and guess where the gay I gotta, agenda is. I gotta is open my episode. gay agenda. Okay, hang on, hang on. The only thing I can think of is that possibly some sort is there some weird ship or fan fiction between Ryan and Mayweather that they get back together in future episodes? I don't know. No, no fan fiction. I don't know. Where's the gay? Is Captain Cap the two captains at the end where he's offering him a drink? I don't know. What's what's the gay agenda? So, the acting captain man and his best friend. Oh, okay, yeah. When his best friend is like, I think we can let him go now. Because we got the information from him. And he's like, no! Because he will go back to his people and he will tell them what we know. That whole scene is happening in a corridor. And there is some air of homoerosity. He leans in, like, puts his hand on the wall. It's, like, very suspicious. I don't remember that at all. Very suspicious. I think he may be overcompensating for something. Okay. There may have been something there. I'm just saying, the gay agenda calls it as it is. Okay. Gay people <laughs> exist in space. Okay, so thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, we will <laughs> we'll be back next week <laughs> with episode 10, Cold Front. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at podmeupscotty. And if you'd like to get in touch with any questions, feedback, or uh, gay theories, you can email <laughs> podmeupscotty at gmail.com. If you like the show, you can follow us on your podcast app of choice and suppose we're gonna have to start doing this if you really like the show you can leave a review yes please and thanks again and we will talk to you next week bye bye scotty come in ready to beam up beam us up home just to quote to quote to quote from Star Trek Beyond, there's no relative direction in the vastness of space. That means there's no one straight way. That means gay. <laughs> <laughs>